This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we now present to you On the Arts, an hour of discussion and discovery about the arts in St. George and Southern Utah. And now your hosts for On the Arts, Michael and Christina Harding. Good afternoon, St. George. This is Michael Harding. And unfortunately, Christina won't be with us today. She's feeling a little bit under the weather. But it is my pleasure to welcome to the studio a guest that we've had before here on On the Arts, and that is Adam Mast. Hey, Adam, how you doing? Hi. Well, uh, let be honest with me. Christina's not coming because she knew I was the guest today. <laughs> actually, no, she was very <laughs> excited. And uh, she does give her apologies, oh, actually, okay. for this. Well, this uh, beard frightens people. So. I, I want to let you know, I'm a little frightened right now. Uh, I'm going to get rid of it. My my wife's not digging it too much. I think that's actually something that would be kind of fun to do on this show. We'll have a a live shaving of the beard. I'm down with that. (laughs) Well, anyhow, uh, as was mentioned in that wonderful liner opening there, uh, this is On the Arts, that show that is dedicated to blowing the lid off of all of those little artistic secrets that we have here in Southern Utah. And that's not just here in St. George, but also in Ivins and Santa Clara, also all the way up to Cedar City. And uh, we even have some folks who are interested in coming on from even further south than St. George. Do tell. (laughs) I am not going to tell. I'm going to leave that as a surprise. And I do have to tell you, I'm a little uh, sad, a little melancholy, as we are about to wrap up season three of On the Arts. Wow, when's the last... When's the last show? The last show is actually going to be a week from Thursday. Wow. And uh, it's amazing how time has flown by. And we've had so many wonderful, wonderful guests on this show. Uh, People from all sorts of different backgrounds, people with all sorts of different experiences in the arts. And that actually got me thinking about what I'd love to start talking about today. Now, we've had you on the show before, Adam. Mm -hmm. I believe twice at this point. I've been honored to be on the show twice. That <laughs> Fantastic. Is and we're, I'm actually going to honor you at the end of the show as well. Uh, we started to give out swag on really? this show. Now, please know, before you get too excited, the swag that we have to offer are post-it notes with On the Arts written on them. Uh, and we like to say that we don't have swag we have swagger here. Oh, but uh, I can plaster those all over town. Absolutely. Speaking of swag, I have Happy Easter. We've got Easter coming up, and I wanted to give these to you and Christina. Oh, so fantastic! And I got one other thing for you. Check this out. This is bizarre. What's that? <clears throat> Peeps, pancakes and syrup flavored Peeps. Oh my goodness! I for you, Mister Harding. I, I'm going to tell you, I have very mixed emotions right uh, now. That's precisely this. why I. I picked them up. I'm like, hmm. I thought maybe you'd try one on the air. Well, you know, I I actually very well might. Okay. I think what we're going to do, we do have two segments here. Okay. Of course, uh, the first segment, and then we'll go to a break. Okay. I'm going to open up the cellophane, and, and I think we'll we see. can enjoy these together. Have you tried them? Heck no, I haven't. Well, we'll I think, do it live together. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll either promote <laughs> the peeps, or we will dissuade folks from going yes. to the peeps. But uh, in case you want to see what Adam brought for Christina and myself, you can check us out video if you go to Facebook at Radio St. George. That's Radio Space ST Space George. We are currently live streaming this show on video, so you get to see that beard that we talked about. You can also see, I'm holding up for the camera right now, the treats that Adam brought for myself and Christina. Uh, We'll say Michael Bunny, Christina Bunny, right here. Crockett and Tubbs. uh, Crockett and Tubbs. 
Dubs. I'll remember this. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, I hope uh, Christina is probably listening or watching at home. I want you to know, Christina, yes, there are two rabbits here. Uh, two might make it home, might not, depending Uh-oh. on how hungry I am after eating these peeps. I hope you're doing well, Christina. Sorry you're not feeling well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do hope you are enjoying the Seattle sunshine that we have Ooh. outside right now. Speaking of which, I just went to Seattle for my very first time Did recently. you really? Yeah, my, uh, my wife and the kids and I. Uh, Tanya and I actually just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Hooray! Congratulations. Most of them good. (laughs) Um, We took an epic road trip. We were gone for 10 days, um, and we drove over 3,000 miles in 10 days. We went to Vancouver, Washington, Seattle. Of course, the highlight, you know me, you know I'm a big movie buff. We went to Astoria, Oregon, and I got to see the Goonies locations. Oh, fantastic. Which was awesome. So I, I was on cloud nine. It was and great. Wasn't the Goonies just re-released for theaters <clears throat> in some areas? Uh, well, let's see. 1980, It's it came out in 85. I don't think they did anniversary screenings, but they're always doing something. I was kind of hoping they would show it out there right. how cool would it be to watch that movie where they shot it but right no such luck well you can always go up north and see where they shot footloose as Heck well. yeah I, I love it lots of great movies have been they shot uh parts of um one of the halloween sequels was shot up in salt lake was it really yeah the really cruddy one with paul rudd in it um part six <laughs> paul if you're listening we Sorry, want you paul. to know i love you paul right. it's nothing personal um, but, uh, yeah, they shot p- part of, of that film up there as well. So Utah's rich with uh, all kinds of great film history. Absolutely. Well, it, it, not to take away from, I'm still excited to know that you went up to Seattle and the yeah. Pacific Northwest. I have uh, an uncle up there, and we, we, went, we went and visited him, and my wife's got a friend in Burlington, which is about a half hour outside of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out there as well. It was, it was a blast. Gotcha. And you'd never been up there. What did you think mm-hmm. of the Pacific Northwest? It was beautiful. You know, the, I drove— um, I decided to give Tanya a real vacation and I did all the driving. Good for you. Um, yeah, it was cool. And, uh, it never got boring. You know, sometimes you make that drive from, uh, from St. George to LA, the LA area and it's right. just all that boring, you know, Death Valley stuff. But it was exciting cause I don't think I'd ever really been further than maybe Ogden. <laughs> so I, you know, it was it's a little kind of interesting going out, going out that direction. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful area. That's right. I've never seen so much green. And I've never been to Ireland, but I've never seen so much green as I did up in Seattle. And you just drive into the lush trees Mm -hmm. and foliage. It's like, boom, there it is. Absolutely. Speaking of Ireland, that's a dream uh, dream spot for me. I want to go so bad. It's You've me never too. been? I've, I never have. Yeah. I, I've Someday. been to England. I studied over in England and, mm-hmm. you know, I've been to France and Paris. And, you know, I do have to give my hats off homage or hats off tribute to the Notre Dame Horrible. Cathedral right now. So sad. Um, but I'm glad to know that they have saved the good majority of the structure. And by, uh, by a lot of grace, a lot of those pieces of art had been moved from the area that did burn. That's amazing to hear. It's just... It's just insane to me that that structure has been through so much and then this happens. Right. It's, it's horrible. Well, I think it was, uh, it was actually the station manager of uh, this station, 100.3. It was Sean Denovan who actually posted this kind of quirky little meme. But it said it's been through wars and mm-hmm. it's been through all sorts of things and surrounded by fire trucks and sprinkler yeah. systems and such. It still burned. So It's terrible. Yeah. But I'm glad to know that things were saved over there. A lot of great art was preserved. Um, And I I know we lost one of the stained glass windows and uh, one of the spires fell, but they were rebuilding that spire. Um, Mm. So I think I I don't mean to undermine the tragedy of it, Mm -hmm. but I I think it could have been a lot worse. 
Absolutely. Right. Always a silver lining. Absolutely. So you got me on here. You know I'm a movie buff. There's a lot of things to talk about, but we should probably talk about <laughs> the most important thing that everyone wants to hear about, right? And the what, movies. What? Well, no, more specifically, let's talk about that episode nine teaser trailer. I yes, know you've seen absolutely. it. Let's, let's just geek out about that a little bit. No, I'm going to complain oh, for no. a second, just a little bit. Um, I fell prey to the April 1st uh, situation with this teaser. There was a teaser that was released on April 1st, mm-hmm. and it didn't even occur to me that it was April Fool's Day. Was I it was, mine post that uh, you read? I think Did it you get was. Rick rolled? Uh, I believe I was. Yes, that was me. Thank so you very much. We, we, we are going to have a knockdown drag out <laughs> right sorry. here. On the, I, I might not share my peeps with you. I'm, pr- I'm proud of that particular, uh, that particular gag because, you know, everyone's got, you know, everyone's waiting for the April Fool's gag. And I figured, okay, I'm going to come up with something here that's not so crazy that people are going to realize it's a gag from the get-go. It's trying to walk that middle ground. It's nice to know I fooled you, and I'm sorry I upset you. That's okay. I'm still getting over the upset. Uh, I will tell you, just because I really did geek out about it. In fact, uh, I taught several classes that day, and I was showing my students (laughs) the, the, the trailer. I was so excited. And one of my students who is, shall we say, an expert on all things geek, Mm-hmm. Uh, actually came up to me and said, I hate to embarrass you, but... And then he started pointing out the various clips that were clearly not live action. Right. That were clearly from animation and mm-hmm. such. And I'll tell you, I was just ready to believe anything. So I was following it hook, line, and sinker. You you succumbed. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah there were a lot of... Uh, there were quite a few Star Wars gags that day. But let's talk about the real thing. Let's do it. What did you think? You know, I got to tell you, there wasn't a whole lot in the teaser. Uh, in terms I'm, of plot detail, definitely not. Yeah, and and I have to say, I'm very excited for the fact that J.J. Abrams is coming back. Uh, I I am of the legion of fans who, I'm not going to say hated, but I am going to say didn't get the last movie. I didn't quite understand how it fit in. There were a lot of things that I felt weren't necessarily in the spirit of the Star Wars that I had grown accustomed to anyone that knows Ryan Johnson and Ryan Johnson's talked about this at length. There was a lot of subverting of expectations in that movie. (laughs) And I consider myself a pretty hardcore star Wars fan, but I found myself where last Jedi is concerned. I don't find myself necessarily a hater or a lover. There's a lot of things I like about it, but I think a lot of the complaints are warranted. And I think a lot of, of a lot of that backlash did have a lot to do with maybe Solo underperforming a little bit. Uh-huh. If you want to call, you know, $650 million worldwide a disappointment. <laughs> right. I know I don't. Whatever. It made some gaudy numbers. Um, but, you know, they're expecting billion-dollar-plus worldwide grosses from these movies. Right. Um, so what's interesting about Episode Nine? just everything leading up to this, all the backlash on Last Jedi, um, you know, then then they they let Colin Trevorrow go, the original director of Episode Nine, and then the hunt's on for a replacement. And allegedly, J.J. Well, J.J. has said that he turned it down at first, mm-hmm. and then Kathleen Kennedy, you know, I don't know, maybe right. she waved a big old paycheck in front of his face. Like, I don't know, like he needs it. It's <clears throat> another uh, another one of those situations. And the truth is, um, Kathleen Kennedy's in a precarious situation with this this whole franchise. It really is darned if you do, darned if you don't. Uh, Force Awakens 
was attacked for being, you know, rehashed. The people that didn't like it complained, it's too the same. You know, it's another right. Death Star. It's too much of the same. So they go a radically different direction. They bring Ryan Johnson in, and he does the opposite and just sort of is doing all this stuff that's upsetting fans. So it's really interesting to see what J.J. Abrams is going to do. Is he going to retcon? Is he going to... Is he going to go in there and reverse things Johnson's done? Is he just going to follow suit and try and do his own thing but not ignore the things Johnson's done? There's a lot of different different ways that, that this film can go. And it should also be noted that Ryan Johnson says if J.J. wants to retcon, he has no problem with it. So, Well, I read an interview with J.J. <clears throat> Abrams, and I was struck by the fact that he said— he doesn't want to retcon. He didn't say that full out, but he did say he was surprised by some of the turns and twists mm-hmm. that were in the, the the last movie. And he was actually looking forward to building on it to get back to the vision that he initially had. And it's he thought, true. he thought uh, not only were there ways to do it, but there were ways to cleverly do it. That would not be, Hey, we need to fix this bleeding gash. Right. But instead being, hey, we're going to build on this callus and we're going to uh, create a story that actually works on a settled, hardcore foundation. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the title of the film, The Rise of Skywalker, that's a pretty provocative title. What does that mean? I mean, uh, the reason I bring it up is one of the things—spoiler, by the way, for those of you who have not watched (laughs) Last Jedi and The Force Awakens— the fact that Rey's parents are of no— earth-shattering significance. Right. They're filthy junk traders, you know? So Ray doesn't come from that lineage. And yet the lightsaber called to Ray. Right. Well, it I, makes you wonder, is J.J., this is one of those things. Is J.J. going to do one of those things where he says, oh, gotcha, you know, Kylo was just lying to Ray. Maybe, you know, maybe her, maybe her parents are more significant than we think. I don't think that Abrams will go that way mm-hmm. only because I do think that that would be kind of a backslap to Ryan Johnson's face. Ryan Johnson's whole thing is everyone is somebody. That's the whole point that he's trying to make with last Jedi. The end of the, it ends with that, uh, that little, that ragamuffin, the kid, you know, moving the broom with his, you know, with his Jedi skills. With his powers. Right. So suggesting that anyone from any walk of life, anyone in the universe can have this power, you know, it doesn't have to be, Part of this specific Skywalker um, mythology, but all, all I can tell you, it's it's exciting stuff. I mean, I I got on the live stream, the Star Wars fan celebration Chicago live stream, and I was sitting there watching it. And in fact, did you know what the name of the film was before you watched the trailer? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't either, and I loved that. That was exciting because you know, Force Awakens and Last Jedi, the titles were announced months before the trailer came out. This was unique. They pulled like an Avengers Endgame where you're sitting there watching the trailer. I, I kind of got – it was just that buildup, that anticipation. You're watching this teaser and then they drop the title. And it's like, oh, you know, it's so cool. And then, and then watching the audience's reaction in Chicago – Cool stuff. Well, what was the reaction, I have to ask, to the Palpatine chuckle uh, at the end? Well, have you been following this story? Um, I, I <clears throat> haven't, no. Well, allegedly, according to um, the, the, the actor, forgive me, I forget his name, that plays the Emperor, he's claiming that— the Ian Emperor, McDermott. Ian, yes, yeah. exactly. He's claiming that, that the Emperor is, in fact, 
dead. Uh, hopefully this is not a spoiler. He just said it in an interview. <laughs> but how do we know what's real and what's not real anymore? Well, you hear all these things on the internet. We don't know what's true. But it was great seeing him a- after the trailer played. At, did you see it? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. What he said in I have watched the Emperor a few of those, voice, yeah. he says... Uh, roll the clip again, and he says it is the Ember, and they played the trailer again, so it was fantastic. Yeah, I love that moment. It's- well, I'll tell you, in the whole Star Wars universe uh, of these films, not only the nine now of this particular story, but Rogue One and Han Solo and, and the Clone Wars, all of the, the series and such— I don't think they've ever made any bones about the fact that, yeah, people die. But, I mean, Ben Kenobi, he was in the second movie, y'all. Right. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, yeah. I suppose. But <clears throat> these Jedis coming back. Force ghosts. You got all this great stuff. I'm really excited to see how uh, Abrams treats Mark Hamill, how Skywalker, how how uh, Luke Skywalker is treated right. in this film. Are we going to get to see him do some stuff? Um, you know, and I love his voiceover in the trailer. It's, it's it gave me chills. I admit, I kind of fanboyed out. It, it was, it was really fun. Also, uh, you're talking about people coming back. What about Darth Maul? He has his little Absolutely. cameo in Solo. Well, I guess that's. Never mind. I guess that's. Well, no, that is that is post Phantom Menace. So he's cut, yeah. cut in half. Yeah, we How could have two, two parts back? of Darth Maul. Yeah, exactly. The I mean, lower half and the, the better half. We're starting to mix Reanimator with uh, Star oh, Wars here. <laughs> you saw Overlord, right? Didn't I? Take, yes, yes, yeah. I did. Saving Private Ryan meets Reanimator, as I like to call it. And that was, I have to thank you for <laughs> recommending to Christina Overlord, as mm-hmm. I had never heard of it. Yeah. There just wasn't any J.J. Abrams, Bad Robot Productions yeah. produced that. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was a good time. It's just fun. It's yeah. just a, a fun throwback to those really go-for-broke, crazy, over-the-top horror movies of the 80s and pretty uh, pretty authentic to the time period. Like, mm-hmm. it was really well-made. I liked yeah. it a lot. Well, I love it. It was a historical thing. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the you mentioned Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. mixed with others. It, I don't think anybody can doubt that that opening sequence in Saving Private Ryan is pretty darn effective. Yeah. Uh, uh, very much so. I have to say that the Overlord sequence, where they were getting ready to jump out of the airplane— Got me almost as much when uh, they talked about the hopelessness of the soldiers that were up there in those planes. They had absolutely no control over what was going on. Yeah. And the way that camera swirling around when they're jumping out of the plane, it's fun. I got to check that one out again. I only saw it once at the theater. Really enjoyed it. I'd like to check it out too. Yeah. Well, we're we're geeking out here. I know. (laughs) About some movies coming out. Uh, I, I do have to ask you as well. This is a world that... I am not as into as a lot of other people. No, I'm not anti. I'm just not into it. And that's the Avengers and uh, like Endgame coming out. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of people who I enjoy them. I, yeah. I'll tell you, I really do enjoy those movies. And I've gotten more and more appreciative of them the more that have come out. But you don't put them on a pedestal like no. a Star Wars. No, not absolutely well, not. Well, and- we live in a different climate. You know, the 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 film world has changed so much it just seems like i don't know so much of this you're getting a new superhero flick every weekend right you know how many different spider-mans have we had now i don't know but i'll tell you what did you see into the spider-verse uh which one was the animated (laughs) no i didn't michael you've got to watch it it is uh sam sam raimi's spider-man 2 i think is still my favorite big screen take. And that's on the one Spider-Man. with Tobey Maguire? Yes, okay. Tobey Maguire yeah. was in that one. But I'll tell you what, Spider-Verse is right there. I mean, it is incredible. Everyone was talking up uh, Black Panther, you know, mm-hmm. um, how 
culturally significant it is. And I think Spider-Verse did it even better, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all, I think a lot of people are sort of getting, well, I shouldn't say a lot, um, because these movies are still making a gazillion dollars. That's the reason <laughs> they're still being made, is right. because people are going. Um, there's a little bit of fatigue. Even I feel it. A certain kind of sameness that's happening. You know, Captain Marvel came out. It was a huge success. It left me a little cold. I think it's one of the more lower tier uh, Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought there were pl- superhero films last year that were plenty better. Right. Or this year, rather. Um that, that were better. So. Well, I, I do think, just as an outsider looking into the Avengers world, mm-hmm. Endgame seems like the end for me. I You're I, done? Yeah. I, I have to admit that it was weird for me, and this went back to Ragnarok, the, the Thor. Did you like that? Um, no. <laughs> there were some things I thought were fun, but I didn't care for it as a movie. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of movies out there like that. But this is so trivial. But you have... All of these different superpowers, mm-hmm. and you've got some people who are just rich and smart, and you've got other people who are, uh, you know, uh, Roman go- or Norse gods, and you have this whole array of things, and you've got Guardians of the Gallery uh, uh, Galaxy, which I'm not sure at all what they are, but I it, love, but it's great. I, I, I enjoy those because I like those films because they're not so um, adamant about sticking to like the Marvel world building. I uh-huh. mean, they they are, but they're still kind of standalone, more standalone-ish. That, that's my say. issue. And and that's where I'm ready for Infinity Wars and Endgame to be done because those worlds don't go together for me. Guardians mm-hmm. of the Gallery, Gal- I keep saying Guardians of the Gallery. That's <laughs> Kathy Cecilwitz of the oh, Sears Gallery. Nice. Um, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to go with Thor. It doesn't seem to go with Iron Man to me. And I enjoy as much as the next person, the fantasy. I enjoy Mm -hmm. getting into this world. But when you have laser guns next to Doctor Strange magical wizardry Mm -hmm. and things, it it just doesn't go. Well, I think I think sort of the miracle of these these uh, the last certainly the last Avengers movie is the way the Russo brothers juggle all of that stuff. I mean, that is I get what you're saying, um, but for me, it it does kind of work. That's a lot of tones mm-hmm. coming together, um, and I can't imagine the pressure that comes with trying to orchestrate that. Right. I remember when the first Avengers movie came out, uh, which Joss Whedon made of mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire sl- uh, Slayer fame, and I remember being blown away that he could hone all of those personalities in to this cohesive thing I, I remember being really blown away by it um but you know there marvel is is saying that you know there's everything that came before endgame and everything that's going to come after so it's it is a, apparently it really is an ending got it and now we get to speculate who's who are we going to lose right. in this movie who's dying well you know? i mean what are we going to do with robert downey jr if uh, he doesn't keep making cameos in these things yeah i mean and he's the guy you know john favreau and robert downey jr kicked this whole thing off right with that first iron man 10 years ago and it is interesting because i i'm i've never really been a comic book person i'm mm-hmm. not anti comic book but i i never really read comics so i'm going into iron man just as a moviegoer just right a, a, a guy who likes good movies. That's that's me. Right. I don't, I don't know these characters. And I think Favreau really pulled that off. He said, okay, he's saying, if you're a fan, you're going to enjoy this. 
If you're coming in blind, you're going to enjoy this. And I really think he pulled that off for, for me personally. Well, you know, something that I do want to get into in our next segment, we're actually running out of time in our first segment. Oh, wow. Uh, and we're going to actually have to take a break in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I want to get into the making side of movies. Mm-hmm. We've talked about these huge blockbusters that are out right now, but we have a lot of filmmakers around town. Mm-hmm. And I've had the pleasure of watching some of these film festivals. Uh-huh. And I've only seen one in all of my vast experience, really only two of the festivals, but seen one movie that stepped out of the realm of practical physical reality and started to make a fantasy world to this extent. And I'd like to talk a little more about how to make those kinds of movies and uh, some other local stuff that's happening on that level and that scale. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even remember what it was called, but these people were flying around in eggs. That's all I remember. This sounds like one of the things that Dan Bringhurst made, perhaps. It might have been, I think. Uh, but anyhow, we do need to take a okay, break uh, for it. news and weather. And we will be back in just a few with On the Arts. Hi, this is Bill McLaughlin, inviting you to come along on a real adventure, exploring the mysteries of one of the greatest pieces of one of the greatest composers, the B minor mass of Johann Sebastian Bach. Bach worked on this towering piece for 25 years, only to leave it in a desk drawer in Leipzig, and it lay there over a century. Come climb the summit with us. It's B minor mass all week long on Exploring Music. Exploring Music, weekdays at 5 on Radio St. George 100.3. And now this health tip from Stapley Pharmacy. Sore throats stink. Often when a college student gets a sore throat, they reach for the -the over-the-counter, sugary, dreadful tasting cough drop in an often unsuccessful attempt to relieve that awful, scratchy feeling. All the while, you are missing your classes. Instead, how about a flavored lollipop that contains a numbing agent that blocks the pain signals to your brain? It's perfect for post-tonsillectomy or oral surgery and can even help with pain from cankers and herpes breakouts. Sore throat lollipops won't take the place of an antibiotic if you're sick, but will help with your pain. These lollipops must be prescribed by a physician, but your on-campus health center is familiar with this product. All you have to do is ask your provider for a prescription. If you have questions, talk to your favorite pharmacist, and remember, your pharmacist is your most accessible medical professional. Stapley Pharmacy has your prescription for success. This is Nicole Ashton from Energy Healing by Design. Join me Wednesdays at 4 o'clock for Return to Consciousness, where I will help you connect to purposeful living, self-love, and oneness. Return to Consciousness Wednesdays at 4 o'clock on Radio St. George 100.3 FM. Follow us on Twitter at Radio St. George. Welcome back to Radio St. George 100.3 with On the Arts. And now your hosts, Michael and Christina Hardy. Welcome back to On the Arts. We're here with Adam Mast, who is a, a film expert extraordinaire. Wow. And, and we, we've spent the last segment actually talking about some popular movies that are out right now. And I could go on for hours with this, and I'm sure you could as well. Look could at I. the excitement. Let's just do a movie show, Mike. <laughs> 
I think maybe we should. We'll add that. But uh, in order to keep this with the theme of On the Arts a little bit, I have two things that we need to do uh, very quick. Actually, three things. The first thing that we need to do is remind folks that not only can you check us out on Facebook at Radio St. George, Radio Space ST Space George, uh, we are live streaming, but you can also find archived shows there. You'll be able to find every single show that we've done here on On the Arts over the past three seasons. Uh, well over 60 guests in here, 60 artistic personalities Love here it. in Southern Utah. Mm-hmm. And we've got so many more who have asked to be on the show and who we're trying to schedule and put together. Of course, we are going to be completing season three, not this week, but next week. That's sad. And it is, but we'll be back. We will be back. Did you do a summer run? Uh, we, uh, both Christina and I were not around oh, in the summers, it. actually. Well, gosh, why do you have to be busy people? Well, uh, I'll tell you, we actually may have to learn, even for uh, season four, mm-hmm. how to do some pre recorded shows. Our oh, schedules yeah. are, are pretty packed. I'll bet. Uh, but this has been the show has been such an incredible experience, and we've gotten yeah. to know so many people. I think you might be the first guest who's been back three times. The trifecta, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we'll Love start it. a club, but yeah. we are starting to get people who come back for a second time, and hopefully more for third. But I hope we get to continue. We continue to get to meet people. Yeah, and th- there are a lot of things down here. I-, I mentioned that we're trying to blow the lid off of all of these artistic secrets. Oh yeah, and let people get to know the people behind these artistic secrets. Of course, that's the whole point. Now, that's the first thing that I need to do. I also need to remind you that you can check us out on YouTube. Just type in uh, "On the Arts" with Michael and Christina Harding, and you're going to get most, if not all, of the shows that we have done, and also. This is something big that has to happen that I promised last segment. Now, I want to say we have syrup and uh, what is what are pancake. the flavors? Syrup and pancake Pancakes. peeps. You may want to check. <laughs> you seen Cabin Fever? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Thank God you got that show. <laughs> I must speak. I must speak. I can't laugh too much here. But I, I'm going to. Pancakes. Gonna, I'm going to stop. The peep says stop. All right. I, I am going to pass this peep over the board. I'm sure the owner of the You're, station no, is. I think you should. Same. This is your show, so I think you should take the first bite. All right. Uh, check this out on Facebook or on YouTube. I'm smelling it. It smells like a peep that fell into a cinnamon vat. I'm going to check this out. And I will tell you. Okay. I'm sure this is attractive hearing me chew here. I went straight for the head. <laughs> I, me too, as a matter of fact. I, I feel like I'm cheating on Denny's is really what this does for me. I'd say I, I like it. It's good. I And I'm kind of having breakfast on Easter morning. I'd say I don't need to try one again. <laughs> I'm going to pass, but I glad, I'm glad you liked it. You can take one home to the lovely bride as well. I sure will. And I'm actually going to take the pack home. My my lovely mother-in-law loves peeps. peeps. Oh. This is a shout out to you, Irene. Mm. I've got a new flavor of peeps for you. There you go, Irene. Enjoy. So, but anyhow, getting okay. back to our conversation. Yes. Now, we talked about some blockbuster films. That are now, out right now. Let's talk about making films. And let's talk bit. about backyard filmmaking because we've got all these great artists. And that's locally. something I, I was fascinated when I was thinking about how to put all of these artists together. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy to say, well, film is different from theater, is mm-hmm. different from sculpture, is different from composing. And it occurred to me that all of these elements go into filmmaking. Yeah. It's kind of like back in the, the 1800s, you know, when opera became the big thing. They thought that was the, the, the huge proper amalgamation of the artistic forms. You had dance, you had music, mm-hmm. you had acting, you had the creation of sets and such. And 
it would be quite easy to erroneously trivialize film as opposed to looking at all of the elements that go into it. Now, we talk about backyard filmmaking, and I've witnessed a lot of these, but I wonder, what about the other stuff that makes films what they are? The musical score, Mm -hmm. for example. The composition. I mean, who could even think about Star Wars without John Williams. It's very true. It's it's a story in of itself, the the score. I mean, there's a lot of facets to filmmaking that are interesting and that's that's certainly a big part of it. You're you're right. I mean, John Williams is absolutely synonymous with Star Wars. It's not just about the visual splendor, it's about, you know, what you're hearing. You could say the same thing about the sound effects, the sound absolutely. the lightsabers. I mean, there's stuff the uh um uh, ben Burt, I believe, is the the sound man that created the, those punching sound effects that you hear in Indiana Jones and the yes. whip cracking and all that stuff. So many, so many cool, cool elements go into that. In fact, sound is a huge, huge part of it. Well, that's right. There are artists, aren't there, that they are the Foley artists. Oh, yeah. And it, I understand that this is an actual truth. When they're doing footsteps and mm-hmm. such, it's not digital and electronic all the time. No, it's, a lot of times they have shoes it. and they're making the sound. And, you know, often... Um, for dramatic effect, obviously, when you watch a Rocky movie and they're punching each other in the ring, that's not really what it sounds like. But it just makes for really great drama. Right. You know, you don't want it would be boring if it was a, a regular punch sound in a movie. You know, a movie's got to be bigger than life. But it's amazing how you can create sounds. We were up at Canab. Uh, they do this thing called the Little Hollywood Shootout every year. It's comparable to our guerrilla filmmaking competitions. And you get 48 hours to make a short film. And I was up there with my buddy, uh, Christian Navarrete. I was helping him do this short and he was, uh, 48 hours, not very much time. And he's trying to get this thing together to submit the movie before the deadline. And he's got the, we've got this, just this little moment in the movie where this, this guy takes a Sharpie and he, he crosses a tattoo out on his arm Mm -hmm. and you don't, if, when he's doing it, you don't really hear anything. So Christian grabbed paper and just ripped it and layered the sound over it, and it it works. Like mm-hmm. even though it's you know that that's not really what it's going to sound like, it just it does sound right when you're watching it in a movie. So that's just like a a tiny tiny example. So. I remember it was the Academy Awards a long 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 time ago, but it was after Top Gun had mm-hmm. come out. And they were explaining, before they were going to give the award for sound design, how important it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so cool. They took a sequence where the plane was flying and Tom Cruise was doing one of the exercises. And they, first of all, played it in absolute silence. Mm -hmm. Then they added this the sound of things coming off of the panel board. And you just realize immediately yeah what a difference that makes and they layered it in and it had the sound of the engines then the musical score on top and then of course they're speaking over the mm -hmm. microphones and you realize my gosh there are seven layers right here right there yeah speaking of which going off on a tangent he's shooting a top gun sequel right now after all these years are they really paramount will release maverick top gun 2 next summer does it have original cast members Uh, tom cruise val kilmer's in it Oh my word! Um, they're being pretty pretty quiet about uh-huh. what to expect. Um, Have they written it yet? <laughs> it, it's literally shooting. It's oh, filming. Gosh. It's filming right now. They're like they're deep into it. So it's just amazing that that's the movie that made Tom Cruise an international superstar. Absolutely no question. He had made movies before that, Risky Business. You know, he was already known. But this was the movie where he was branded. That this was the turning point in his career. 
And the only thing shocking about it is that it took over 30 years for them to make this movie. Right. It's crazy that it's taken them this long. How do you top Top Gun? Exactly. I don't know. Well, wow, that was clever. Yeah, I uh, love it. <laughs> thank you very much. I like that joke better than I like the taste of these. Yeah. I'm just going to say. I do have to say, you know, I, I, I hope we're not, I'm speaking to the station owner right now. I hope we're not destroying anything, but peeps, let's try a few different things out here. I don't know that I'm going to endorse these, uh, this I, flavor. Yeah. I, I, no, no, I bear no ill will to peeps in general, <laughs> but yes, I agree. Well, um, I asked <clears throat> earlier about has Top Gun been written yet? Oh, the reason why, and this is something that I'm, I'm fascinated by mm-hmm. with movies, and I don't know this world well enough to understand how this works, but I also remember watching a documentary about the Rambo movies. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked to find out that Sylvester Stallone was writing it as they were filming. That's very common where these big movies, they're constantly altering scripts like as they're as they're shooting. I, you know, funny enough, I once uh, got a hold of a I own a copy of the screenplay for Lethal Weapon 4. Really? Right. Which is a two hour movie. Right. And that script is I, I think it's like 35 pages. You know, there's so much stuff that's just happening in the when they're conceiving the action sequences and those kinds of things. Um, one of our local filmmakers, actually, Dan Bringhurst, uh, has this new script that he wrote. I, I won't go into what it's about because it's really it's sick and twisted, but pretty darn awesome. Right. It's it's called Jester Puss, and I'll tell you about it more off, off the air. <laughs> but he, he gave me this. Uh, he wrote the script. He's all gung ho about it. And rightfully so. And he gave me the script and it's maybe 25 pages, but he's gone in to make this thing a 90 minute movie because he's got so much in his head and different artists do things different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've read scripts with somebody tell me, yeah, this is going to be a two hour movie or a 90 minute movie. I'm like, no way. And I'll be darned if they don't do it by the time the thing is done. There it is. So you just you never can tell. Was it, ha- Have they rewritten it to make it longer or or, or sometimes things just expand during the shooting process or throw a musical number in here, a musical number there. Um, p- scenes where, you know, patients are involved. Like you, you've got one person, wa- a person walking from point A to point B um, that takes stretches out things. There's any number of ways gotcha. that you can do it. So, well, I have to wonder who actually writes the movies, because mm-hmm. of course, in the theater, you have a playwright. The playwright creates a script, and right. then it's it's given to a director or producing organization, and then they stage that script. And there certainly are edits right. that can happen, or, or, or rewrites and such. But like earlier, when we were talking about J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. I thought he was just the director or a, a producer. And then we talk about how it's up to him to decide: is he going to go retcon? Is he going to uh, come up with? Well, new- in the case of him, he's also getting. He and Chris Terrio, there, there's two people credited with writing the script. He and Chris Terrio. I think it just depends on the movie because the other, the opposite end of this thing that we're talking about are guys like the Coen Brothers who mm-hmm. are super meticulous. Like, right? Uh, they write something and you follow it to the script. You don't stray off the beaten path. You read what they've written. And I hear Tarantino is very much the same way. There's a colorful, vibrant way about those words. And they have a game plan. But these guys are also auteurs. You know, they have written and directed their own stuff. So I don't know. I guess maybe that's a little different. David Mamet, who's mm-hmm. a playwright and and a, a screenwriter, um, and he's 
I mean, he's another one of those guys. The thing about David Mamet is his dialogue, as you well know, I'm sure you've read some of his stuff. Uh-huh. His stuff has uh, not any actor can make those words sing. Right. You know, it's it's so there's a, ryth- a rhythm, a, what a, a cadence yeah. to the way that that his words have to be read or it just doesn't work. And there's certain go to actors like Rebecca Pigeon and William H. Macy. There's like certain actors that are, are perfect because they get it. Uh, you know, you could say the same thing about Shakespeare, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I went and saw Midsummer Night's Dream. Did you get to? At the, I wasn't able to attend, oh, unfortunately. Man. I heard it was great. I'm. The, the, I, what can I say? That the, Just a lovely, talented group of people like Heidi Lee. Who we've really had cool, on the show, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. She's, I just, I enjoy, I, I'm going to be honest. It's not one of my favorite shows. Right. Um, I think there's a reason that... Shakespeare is more known for his tragedy and his drama. I really do. I I hope I'm not. Am I sticking my foot in my mouth not here? I'm, I'm actually going to throw something out there. And I invite Heidi Lee or Re- Rebecca Wright, who I know has a lot of experience Oh, Rebecca's with that. awesome. She Tyson. Was, great job. They, there are and, a lot oh, of by the way, people. Tyson, Yeah. that guy, I joked with him on, on social media today that if they ever do a David Bowie biopic, he should play David Bowie. He... Really channeled David Bowie in that in that production, and I, it was I had a, a great uh, it was fun it was fun watching it. Well, I've heard, and what a great show to start with. Mm-hmm. I just a, a question I have for all those people I just mentioned or anybody with Midsummer Night's Dream. And by the way, I'm in your camp. I, if I never do that play again, I'm totally fine. But only because I've done it, you know, twenty times as yeah. most Shakespeare actors yeah. have. Uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful love stories out there. Yeah. And yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah, it's goofy. Yeah, it's magical. But holy cow, the story of Oberon and Titania mm-hmm. is quite often done as just this this vengeance, young, immature couple fighting. Mm-hmm. But oh, there's, there's some more beautiful, there. beautiful moments. And and to to uh, their great credit, um, the crew that put this show together, they kind of streamlined it a little bit. It was mm-hmm. about ninety minutes. Yeah, that's not that's so all right. It, it was pretty brisk, and there really was some. Terrific stuff. And just that environment, that open air, the Shakespeare in the Park vibe. Right. Was really cool. And my buddy Sheldon Demke was in there. He was a lot of need to get play, him on the show. No, he he was actually in Christmas Story. Was I directed he? him in Christmas Story. Uh-huh. He had a couple of bit parts, and Sheldon just brings this awesome energy to everything that he's in. And it, it's, you know, what's the saying? There are no small uh, roles. No small roles, only small, small actors. actors. Right. Well, that's, you know, Sheldon's a prime example of that. Um, and a lot of uh, Holly Raina, a lot of these actors that are playing, because it's an ensemble, you know, and some right. of these smaller actors are just bringing it. Like they're making it funny. They're they're just making the most with those roles. Well, I've so. seen a lot of Sheldon's work in film, mm-hmm. oh, um, of course, at the 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 festivals and such. Yeah, he's but great. I also have a bone to pick with Sheldon, and I, I wonder if he's if he's listening. I tried to get him know. to come in here with me today. <laughs> I said you should come and join me. He's he's working. That's, I, I wouldn't mind, and that's my problem with Sheldon. That is the bone I have to pick with him. No, the uh, I I think he's a fantastic actor mm-hmm. from what I've seen he's on film. I have never seen him on stage, but uh, I do consider myself savvy enough to see you know somebody who can go from the film mm-hmm. to the stage and back and forth. And he's he's clearly got a presence. Oh, and he absolutely. clearly has skill. And I actually invited him to audition for me for a project. I know. And he was working. He I was know. too busy. You I, know what, man? Here's the deal, Mike. You push this guy. Just put just give him a little nudge. Sheldon, if you're listening, we know what you can do. <laughs> he is a busy guy, though. He really yeah. is. He really is a super busy guy with St. George News and everything. But I just love seeing the energy that he 
he brings, be it film or theater, he really was a godsend when we were doing Christmas Story because— What did he play in that? Uh, he just—he played uh, the villains kind of in the fantasy sequence oh, and so fun. forth that attacks um, the, the, the teacher. There's a, a big musical fantasy sequence. And, the, you know, he plays uh, two or three different roles in that particular show. And, again, he just brings an energy, and, as you know, that stuff's infectious. right. Um, and, and, and things like that, you can't fake. I think Sheldon has just a natural likability about him. He just is kind of a, a center of attention thing. He, it's just natural. Um, very affable guy, super talented. So, well, and that's, this is actually a fantastic segue back into a segue that I was yeah. working for that was <clears throat> trying to hold everything together, uh, about how artists do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't have, yes, we have specialists, right? but one of the things I'm noticing is the people who are the most creative are the ones who are trying and branching out into all of these different things. Sheldon, of course, he's moving from film. It, it's very easy to say you're a film actor or you're a stage actor. And sometimes I think that's true. Yeah, I really do. But when you see somebody who can go back and forth, who enjoys going back and forth, or someone who directs and then they act. Well, he's a jack of all trades like yeah. you. He he can act, but he can also write. He can direct. He can shoot. He's shot a couple of things for me before. And I'm I'm more of an idea person. I love to write and I love that early stage thing where you get that idea and then it's all exciting when you see see it snowball into this bigger thing because obviously for me it all starts with the story. That right. is the 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 meat of it. That's where it all starts. I understand there's a lot more facets to both theater and film, but at the end of the day that's really where it starts. Um, and I, I admit, uh, through this past, these past 10 years, I've really surrounded myself around people that really know what they're doing. In the early days when we did our guerrilla filmmaking challenges, I would jump in there and I would be shooting. And I've never really been much of an editor, but I'd be doing everything else. But now everyone's evolved. There's like so many talented people. And as you know, film and theater, it's so collaborative. It's it, you know, writing is a solitary sport, but when you're making a movie or you're doing a play, um, that is part of it. Yes, there are people who write, direct, shoot, do all, everything on their own, but I think it takes uh, even, in some ways, more special talent to know how to put those components together and put the right people together. And, you know, guerrilla and in s- certain forms of filmmaking, you have... It's in the majors, you do have, you call them specialists. You have certain people that are good at certain trades and they're all coming together. But a lot of times when you're doing these quick on the fly shoots, everyone's just kind of chipping in, do what you can. And Mm -hmm. yes, I know it's not the proper way to do it in the real world, but there's no doubt that this stuff teaches you valuable skill sets. Right. Well, I think it's the same in theater. You do uh, community theaters, you Mm -hmm. have different sizes. Oh, absolutely. You know, you got five people who want to get together and do a show. They got to do everything, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to an established organization where, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can start divvying out the jobs and and, and such. Now, I have to ask you, we're all over the place, which is totally fine, which is one of the reasons I I really want to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up locally. And we just one more question for you uh, before we do that. Have you ever used live, uh, or, or I'm sorry, original music? Music, original scores in your oh, films? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, Lyle Crowley, do you know Lyle? He's I a, don't. He's a local uh, a musician. He scored some stuff for us. Um, Sean Lebrecht, actually, uh, he's another local filmmaker. He's had, um, oh, what's the, uh, Mark Hawes, a composer out of <clears throat> LA, um, score some stuff for him. He's, Mark Hawes is kind of on his way up. He's getting more and more gigs. He hasn't really, 
scored anything lately. But yeah, we've done that. Dan Bringhurst, who we uh-huh. were just talking about a little while ago, this guy is a music writing fool. Like he's d- done musicals that are they're twisted, but they're so entertaining. He writes the songs. <laughs> he writes the music. He's another one-man wrecking crew. He's got two films that just got accepted to Trauma Dance up in New York. Very nice. He's going up to a festival in New York, um, and he's the guy who's getting gearing up to shoot that other film that I was telling you about. Yeah, so a ton, ton of people writing, writing music for their own stuff and hiring out, finding people. And we love that. We love to bring all these people into the mix, the, the the whole thing that we're doing with, we haven't really talked about FMASU, but we have on in, on past shows, right. is just trying to create a network of like-minded people who are willing to help each other out, you know, right. and, and and get in the trenches and and uh, and do these projects. To so, make things. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun. Well, let me ask you, as we are winding down, we still mm-hmm. have a few minutes here, okay. but uh, what are some of the things that are going on locally? So... We have FMASU, which is a, a nonprofit that uh, my partner John Pugh and I created a couple of years back, and it's it's pretty simple. We just want to uh, inspire, encourage, and champion um, local filmmaking as an art form, all ages, all skill sets. I mean, we have people. Plenty of people have done shown things at our events. You know, you got your Dan Fowkes. He's I don't know when's the last time you had him. On your we show, haven't had but, him on the show in a while, but yeah, he's doing this really cool uh, a, a period piece, this, the World, uh, World War II, II isn't it? drama. Yeah, and um, it's I mean I've seen some of the footage, some of the dailies, and really really impressive that the stuff that they're doing with ex- next to no money, you know, it's super impressive. Um, but yeah, we've got plenty of events coming up. Uh, May eighteenth, we're doing a spotlight event where we just kind of curate an evening of. Local talent. We've got the. Do you know the Plummer Brothers? Do you know Kyle and Carlos? I don't. Um, I'm learning a lot of names. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle. Kyle is a part of the DSU uh, film program. He's been working on a film um, for his capstone, and I don't know what it's about, but I'm hearing a lot of buzz about it. He's going to show a film that a student film that he made called Nikki at our event, and then his brother Carlos is showing a film called Becoming Rich, which actually just uh, won a uh, best. I believe it was the best Utah, best student film at the Canab Film Festival. Which Very was nice. Just last week. Yes, I'm plugging their <laughs> festival. Really cool, chill festival. It was just last week. We had a blast up there. Those guys did a great job for their their inaugural run. Um, but he's going to show a documentary he made called Becoming Rich, which is about a YouTube magician named Rich Ferguson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's this online guy that does pranks and magic. You'd, you'd love him because I know you're a big ma- magic guy. I know you've studied magic yourself. I want you to know I'm going to be re-watching this episode of On the Arch just to get all of these names. I know. There are a lot of names. But they're going to be there. Lori Lyle is another local filmmaker who shot her first feature. They're in post-production right now. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say the name of it, but you'll be hearing more about that soon. She's going to show up to the event, and they're going to show some footage from that Uh Brandon uh, Tippett and Lonnie Black—they've been making short films and so forth for 27 years, and they're go- we're going to give them a whole 45-minute block at the spotlight so that they can uh, sort of show what they've been doing for 27 years. So we've got that on May 18th um, at the Electric Theater, and it's free, and Fantastic. everyone loves free. We're going to drop uh, the information on our upcoming Gorilla Filmmaking Challenge there. We're going to give the theme, tell everyone else what's, you know, tell everybody what's up with that. And then we're, we've got another, something else that's coming up that I'm not at liberty to discuss right now. It's happening in June. It's big. 
Hopefully everyone's going to get behind it, and I'll be sharing more info on that soon. Yes, being cryptic. (laughs) Well, I do invite all of our listeners to ask us questions. You can go to On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding on Facebook. You can post some questions. We'll be happy to answer as best we can. Thank you, Adam Mast, for being our guest today. Happy Easter, everybody. And I'm going to say stay away from those maple pancake peeps. (laughs) Well, listen to us on Thursday. We'll have Dale Hoops, a local actor and stage manager. And we hope until you hear from us, keep your focus on the arts. You've been listening to On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding. Search Facebook, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify for Radio St. George to view video and podcasts of this show or go to RadioStGeorge.com. Join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 for On the Arts on Radio St. George 100.3.